This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If I'm going to tell a real story, I'm going to start with my name, Kendrick Lamar. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's content. One of my favorite segments on the podcast is hearing people's trail names and how they came by them. So we're going to devote this week's episode to the unique American long trail tradition of trail names. Before we get to some great stories from our guests and listeners, though, let's take a quick look at the origin of this tradition. According to Eric Musambi in his article for Trail and Summit titled, Why Do Hikers Use Trail Names? He asserts that trail name tradition began in 1948 in order to help distinguish among the many hikers who may have common or similar real names. These trail names can be based upon any number of factors, including, but not limited to, where a hiker is from, what kind of gear a hiker uses, a particular or peculiar mannerism of a hiker, and my favorite, the result of a funny or dramatic occurrence on the trail. 
Trail names are generally given to someone by other hikers, and they can be bestowed on the first day or the 100th day of a through hike, or beyond that even. All right, we're going to start today's episode with my favorite trail name story, and it comes from a young man who was hiking the Appalachian Trail southbound and found himself in quite a predicament one morning. Let's hear. Hey, first and foremost, we've got we to clear something up. Is it 127? Is it 127? Is it 127? What, what is the correct trail name? Um, so I, I suppose it was originally started as 127 hours, but quickly that became quite the mouthful, you know, for something only seven kind of characters long, it's, it's a mouthful of syllables. So over time, just jotting it down, passing it along, it just, it became 127 and then just started becoming a 127, at which point um, kind of separating it from the 127 gave it, a, a lot of people would start asking about it. And that's kind of how I'd uh, lead into my, you know, inevitably telling them my little tale of getting the trail name. But um, yeah, so I guess whatever you like, I go by 127. 127. Very good. Now we heard the story secondhand from Bert. But uh, you know what? It's always better to get the, 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 the story right from the horse's mouth. So if, if, you've, uh, if you don't mind, we'd love to hear that story again. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you know, Bert is a great friend of mine, and it was amazing for her to give me a shout-out on her episode. And, uh, but, you know, if we're, if we're going to be honest, there's, there's some, some missed details, a little bit of tail spinning that <laughs> could maybe be a – the uh, polished up, but yeah, so I essentially got it from my 2018 southbound through hike of the Appalachian Trail, and um, we can get into more details on that, but the story is basically in, for those familiar with the Appalachian Trail, there's the 100-mile wilderness, and I believe it was my third or fourth day on the trail, kind of smack dab in the middle of the 100-mile wilderness, and what happened is every day there was reports of rain and like every day the ranges wouldn't come you know you'd watch these clouds roll in and they'd bounce off the mountains they'd get diverted they raised they wouldn't drop the rain and one night um asleep under my little hammock set up and it is dropping all of the rain that was promised for the last three or four days and it's one of those where you know, I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be active. I'm going to get up early. I've been getting up at around six or so, you know, starting early. And this rain just kept me inside. And it, it was getting later in the day. And I was thinking, okay, okay, you know, I'm new to this through hiking stuff. I knew there was going to be rain. And I, I kind of just made a deal with, with myself as I watched everybody else pack out of this campground. Um, people might know it, Antlers Campground in the 100-mile wilderness in Maine. And decided, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be the last one in camp. So packed up all my stuff, soaking wet, kind of ate cold oatmeal on the go. And what was kind of nice is the rain brought cold air, which is refreshing to summer in Maine. And so I just started crushing these miles. I was like one mile in, two mile in. It was cold. I was listening to my tunes. You just kind of become one with the rain. And Maine is also famous for these little bog bridges, which are sometimes nothing more than kind of two logs, railroad spiked together, crossing a stream. And, but they're out there in the main wilderness. So they're covered in leaves and mud and uh, uh, moss. And sure enough, there's these two logs just across the stream. And I stepped and don't know what quite happened, but my leg just slipped out from underneath me and I dropped right in between. My right leg went in between these two logs. And it's one of those where time slowed down, don't remember everything. 
but I kind of came to and I was like, okay, this is an injury. This is a horrible injury. I thought maybe like a major, you know, whatever the major leg bone is. I'm like, that's broken. You know, first order of business is just get out. And as I kind of assessed the situation, ditched my backpack because it was, you know, pulling me off the bridge more. I kind of assessed it and God, did it hurt, but everything works. You know, I did that, that kill bill, wiggle your big toe, move your ankle, flex your knee. And I was like, wow, wow, I'm okay. And I kind of like got my energy back up. And I was like, okay, let's just get my leg out of this, out of these blocks. And I lifted up and there was something about it where like lifting your knee, as the muscles engage, they, they get wider and I couldn't get my leg back out of the lock. And you're like, okay okay, this is fine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just talking yourself through it. And you kind of like, you think about it, you're like, what if I just, what if I just pull a little harder? And I just started going and became this, this game of like, well, someone's going to come across me. But then as time goes on, you, you're like, well, I don't want to be the guy that's been in the logs for 20 minutes. And so you kind of like start doing this like assessment of like, okay, how do I get out of this thing? And I began looking around. And it's a whole different story, but I didn't have like a little pocket knife. No, I wasn't going to cut my leg, <laughs> but I was thinking I could, I could whittle the log a little bit. You know, I could try to do something. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have my pocket knife. And I was like, well, if I collapse my trekking pole, maybe, maybe, you know, they're kind of strong. Maybe I can like wiggle something loose. And I did that and I put it in between the logs and I collect, and they just started bending. I was like, I'm not going to lose both of my trekking poles on this one. And finally, I just kind of scooted my way up and down this log, like straddling it like a, like a horse saddle, just trying to find a small place in between the two logs that was a little wider than the, the others. And I couldn't find anything. And finally, I was like, all right, all right. I don't want to be the guy that somebody comes across and is like, hey, I'm the unprepared first time through hiker who is now stuck in a bridge. And so I scooted my way across to the bank and I found this, this, kind of granite piece of granite in the shape of an acorn and it was just perfect size to wedge in between the two logs and then I, so I, I put it there wiggled it in scooted my way back to the other you know side of the of the creek grabbed another piece of granite roughly the size of like a softball and I was like if I can hammer this acorn rock in between the two logs right in the middle it'll flex it you know so I guess maybe I did learn something from physics class and sure enough, I was able to just, just hammer this rock in between and it flexed a little bit enough that I could kind of like lift with just my arms and kind of do a kicking like wiggle of my knee and pop my leg out. And yeah, is is that's kind of the, the gist of the story. And you just kind of there for a moment and there's a little bit of like disbelief um, and like relief and pack up all my stuff and it's soaking. And I kind of look around and I was expecting somebody to be coming around the corner, like right at that moment, but I kind of took inventory, slowly made my way across that bridge once again and was off on my way. And it was one of the things where I realized like, you know, adrenaline was kind of keeping me going for a little bit. I was like, wow, that could have been really bad. You know, hundred mile wilderness is bad enough to kind of get in and out of and hike into, let alone get any medical attention in. And so I just kept going and I was able to walk pretty good. And I kind of caught up to some of the people who left the camp before me and we we're just chatting and having lunch. And they're like, so like, how about this rain? I was like, yeah, I slipped and got stuck in a bridge. And they're like, hold on. 
<laughs> and so I told them the story and they're like, wow, you're like that Aaron guy from 127 hours. And so like, I was like, yeah, maybe. And it was one of the things where kind of, you know, that was my fun story for the next few days. And as people heard it, they kind of came to the same conclusion. They're like, oh, that's like that guy that got his leg stuck or his arm stuck in the boulder. You got your leg stuck in a bridge. And kind of the, the typical joke of like, glad you didn't have to chop it off, you know, came up. It was one of those things, you know, trail names just kind of show up. And that was as fun of a name as any. That's uh, a good story because uh, I got that moniker before trail names were really popular uh, about 40 years ago. So uh, what I'm known for is these long appendages. I am a big man. I'm 6'3", and I have extra long arms. So uh, that's where the ape thing comes from. But I was the guy back in the day, we didn't have these fancy bear canister things. By the way, people use your bear canisters. They work really well. You don't even, I'm going to tell some stories about the bear days before canisters. It was so a regular occurrence, almost nightly from bears. But if you don't know how to counterbalance, learn how to counterbalance. Check Ape Man's YouTube channel. He has a video about how to counterbalance. So if the old days we used to hang food in trees. So you pull up one bag all the way to the top of a branch and then you have to tie up the other bag. So it helped to have a tall guy. So it's like, eight man, get over here and do the bag thing. So the tall guy had to tie off the other bag and then counterbalance them. So uh, the eight man arms were good for, for bear defense and also for flinging rocks at bears, which was a nightly encounter too. So, yep, that's where the eight man came from and it stuck. And I've had it for about 40 years. All right, and this had to be the location of one of the most memorable uh, events on the trail that summer. Uh, we're, we're all walking in a straight line because we're on the side of a kind of on the side of a, a hill. I wouldn't say it's a mountain. We're on the, we're on a slope, and we're the trail is following the slope, and uh, so we're a single file. And I remember walking. I'm probably oh, I forget the order. I think maybe I was uh, maybe fourth or fifth. I think Skids was last. And yeah, I, I think our marching order for that summer was Buddy, me, Chopper, Doc, Jukebox, and then Skids. Yes. Yeah, I, at this particular moment, Jukebox, Jukebox was right behind me at this one because I remember turning around laughing with him. <laughs> I, I, w- I was on the point for this section, yep. and, uh, and I, I remember a, a calculation start to kind of click through my head. Um, looking up, the trail was a little bit wider, and I'm thinking like, Huh? Yeah, hiking with no shirt. All right, you know that, that that's that's a choice. Uh, and what? Well, hey, hey, how short are those shorts? <laughs> and, you know, as uh, as <laughs> as you start to pull focus on the on the fella coming up the trail. Uh, I kind of noticed walking behind you. You had slowed down a bit, and I was because like, I'm like hiking, just looking at your calves, and I'm like, hey, wait, what? What's going? On? I look over your shoulder. I'm like, uh, I did the exact same thing. I'm like. None of this is adding up right to me. And it's about this time that Skids, Skids asked Jukebox, hey, do you watch Naked and Afraid? And Jukebox, <laughs> Jukebox says, uh, well, I've heard of it, but I, I don't watch it. Why? And then Skids kind of nods his head in, in the direction ahead of us, and we all kind of stick our heads out around each other to, to look and see what's coming up the trail. And there is a guy wearing his backpack, 
is he had a fanny pack that was strategically placed, and I think he had a hat and boots, and that was about it. That was it. That was yeah. That was what he was rolling. And as he passed us, he looked each of us directly in the eye, kind of like, "What are you looking at?" (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I the my my read like the the third calculation was those shorts have to be really short and skin color. And, and, and all, all I could think of, and I know this was probably way later, but I remember talking to one of you guys. I think, buddy, it might have been you. I was just like, the amount of sunscreen and bug spray that man <laughs> has to use is he has to carry so much reserve of either of those. That is unbelievable. Yes, yeah. uh, the read that I got from uh, from the the look on his face, if you call it that, the look in his eyes, the 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 subtext was was kind of like, "Hey, did did you notice what I'm doing here?" <laughs> there is no way on the whole trail on the planet that I would give anybody hiking naked the satisfaction of uh, that I'm impressed or proud. <laughs> so, did you see my fanny pack? Yeah. So I wondered. <laughs> I wondered, is, was, was this just his way of going ultralight? I mean, was this his, his, normal, his normal day, normal hiking day? Is, you know, that's, that's all he's going to wear? Or was today a special day? Was it his birthday? Was it a national hike naked day? I mean, was there something we were, we were just not, you know, aware of? Well, I mean, he was half a mile from Red's Meadow, so he, he had to have, you know, taken his clothes off after that. That's a, there's a lot of people around Red's Meadow. <laughs> We couldn't have been a mile away from a paved road. Like, we were literally right there. And there are children, there are families. Like, I could, like, if that dude had been doing that for a couple days, like, he must have skipped Red's Meadow just for public decency at that point. Well, that's why we gave him the nickname of Chafe. So, (laughs) had to be a a a tremendous amount of Chafe. (laughs) Oh, tremendous. Forgive me if whatever this may, you know. This this is not like uh, the trail Adonis either. This is somebody late sixties, you know, had had a probably enjoyed a buffet or two in his life, just <laughs> living it up, like um, enjoying life and uh, enjoying what uh, what God gave him. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna send this out there again, uh, like I, I sent to uh, sent a message out to. Big E's roommates, little brother's girlfriend. I think that's the relationship there. But I'm gonna, I'm sending out a message to Chafe, Chafe the naked hiker. If if you if you're listening to the pod, hey, give us a, give us a, reach out to us on email or social media. Let us know, you know, what was that your usual hiking attire, or was it, was that a special day? You don't you don't have to make it a, a video message, Chafe. You know, you can uh, <laughs> behind the screen is fine. Yes, audio audio recording, absolutely acceptable. And it was from uh, a place in the Sequoia National Forest called Mineral King Loop. So this is the Mineral King Loop, and it is a uh, it's a loop. Obviously, it's about thirty five, thirty eight miles long, and you go over two passes that are about eleven thousand feet high. You you go over Black Black Rock Pass, and then uh, sawtooth pass. And so I went with my son jukebox and uh, my friend chopper who earned his trail name on this trip. We, we started out, uh, that day, the first day, and we, we camped just South of 
Black Rock Peak, got up the next morning and got over Black Rock Peak. Peak, And on the approach to that pass, uh, Chopper just started feeling terrible. I mean, he was, he was hiking maybe 50 yards and stopping and throwing up and uh, do another 50 yards and bend over and catch his breath. And so we got up over the pass and descended and I was pretty sure he had altitude sickness. And so altitude sickness strikes out of nowhere. Uh, you can, you could hike a hundred hikes uh, at elevation and it never affects you once. And on the hundred and first hike, you could get it. There's no, no, no accounting for it. And so luckily we, after Black Rock Pass, we, um, there's a ranger station. And so Jukebox uh, left us at the side of a lake and he went over to the ranger station about a half mile down the trail and got the ranger and brought him back. And they checked him out and said, yep, you've got altitude sickness. And we kind of, he treated him a little bit. And then we went and kind of set up outside the ranger station while he was conversing with the local hospital outside of Sequoia National in Visalia. And the doctors at the hospital said, well, the only cure for altitude sickness is to get lower. Yeah, and unfortunately, down. we were stuck on a section of the trail between two passes, between two 11,000 foot passes. And the altitude, you couldn't get down any further than I think maybe 9,500 feet. And so in order to get him down, he would have to go over Sawtooth Pass and, and get down after that. But that's too dangerous. So they called in for a helicopter evacuation. And so we got to watch a chopper fly into Mineral King and set down on the edge of this lake. And I was really hoping that they would strap a chopper to this one of the skids, you know, just kind of you know, use some bungee cords or something and strap him to one of the skids and then take off. But no, they, they put him inside the helicopter and he, he <laughs> flew off. But uh, Jukebox and I finished the hike, but that was a very memorable moment and he was on the he was on the the prowl for a good trail name and what better trail name than chopper now when i was doing my research um i heard that the best shoes that you can get are, are the vasque sundown or leather boots waterproof maybe you've heard of them italian leather and so on so before the trip i i, I got myself some of those and there was one day prior to the hike where it was raining out and I thought, oh, it's a perfect day to, to break my shoes in. So I went and walked like a few miles around the neighborhood and, and called it good and broken in. Well, it turns out those, those shoes didn't really fit me that well. Uh, my very first day on the trail, um, they were too big, basically. So every time I'd lift my foot, you would get that split seconds where, where the shoe stays on the ground until your heel comes up and rubs the back of the shoe to, to bring the shoe off the ground with your foot. So <laughs> I, I did the approach trail going up Springer Mountain and, and stayed on top that night. And I take my shoes and socks off and the, the first layer of skin, about a silver dollar size on both of my feet, came right off. Didn't even, didn't even blister. So I thought, you know, I don't want to deal with this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some moleskin on backwards so the sticky side um, isn't on the sore spot. And then I'm going to wrap duct tape around my ankle to kind of hold that moleskin in place. So that was my solution for both feet. And I keep hiking. 
Um, it took me another three days to get to the first uh, stop on the, on the Appalachian Trail. Um, that's at Neal's Gap. And in that entire time, I didn't even take my socks off because I knew I was just stubborn and I knew my heels were in bad shape and I didn't even want to look at them and didn't want to have to peel that tape off or anything. I think that's what they call ostrich syndrome. (laughs) You're just not going to look at the problem. Just let it be. I'm not familiar with that term. (laughs) I like that though. Ostrich syndrome. So anyway, um, so at Neil's Gap, I think, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to town and get a shower and get some food and take a day off and, and see what I'm dealing with here with my feet. So I, I check into this cabin at a Goose Creek Cabins. I don't know if it's still there or not. Um, so I, I painstakingly peel my socks off and peel this tape off. And well, you can imagine it's just pus and blood. Like there's no skin anymore on either of my heels. Like, again, about a silver dollar size on both feet. And then where the tape had been was just kind of sore, like a red sore. And um, on the top of my feet where the edge of the tape would hit the top of my foot, it even created little cuts just from, like, digging into my skin. Is this how you earned your trail name, duct tape? Yes, it is. Um, Wow. (laughs) Duct tape, I have to tell you, this is not an optimal optimal start to a 2,200-mile trail. No, it was not. Very good. Very good. Now let, let's, uh, let's talk about the trail name, ginger balls. We go strictly by trail names here on the pod. So you know, I'm, Doc, yeah, I'm Doc and you're ginger balls. Do you, do you ever it, abbreviate that to, uh, to just balls or, no, that, or how that, does that work? Somebody else has that trail name. I've heard uh, the, there's a lady out on trail that's balls. So I can't, I can't use that. Um, actually in my trail families, it gets shortened to Jeebs. I think that's easier or uh, GB um or just ginger balls so okay um i on instagram i do use hiking ginger b just to kind of mellow it out a little bit you know don't, don't want to offend anyone but on trail no i'm ginger balls so okay and I, I hesitate to ask but is there a story behind the trail name yeah well there's my story and then there's probably <laughs> the original trail family story on the at so i was hiking with so i'm a little bit older hiker um and I was hiking with some younger kids and uh, they knew a lot more about hiking than I did. And, you know, I needed a trail name. So it was like, it was old man and that's not good enough. And then, you know, the sophomore humor started coming in and it was, you know, old man balls and just kind of kept just, I was OMGB, old man ginger balls for a long time. And they'd call me OMGB. And then it just formulated to ginger balls and then the story I like to tell is uh, the second year on the PCT, uh, there was a, a young lady on the trail and she was from another country and didn't speak really good English, but she came up to me and she's like, so ginger balls, they call you this because you're brave and strong. And I said, yes, exactly. It's, that's exactly it. So that's my story. And then, you know, I'm sure the, uh, the guys that gave me the name have a little different story. The only trail name I think I ever got was Goat. Okay. I don't, I usually hike out by myself, so I'm not usually around people who are throwing me trail names. But uh, I was up in the Adirondacks years ago, 
uh, in the high peaks area. And there's this one section where this kind of have to climb up this ridge. And it's a little sketchy because if you kind of fall off this rock, you can fall off a cliff. It wouldn't be good news. And this one girl was ahead of us just kind of panicked. And she was just kind of starfishing on this rock and like not sure what to do. That's a good so way I to put of, it. I, I can see that very clearly, starfishing. Excellent. Yeah. And like, I understand the fear. You look down, it's a far drop, but it's not too technical. But I'm like, she could panic. She could possibly get hurt. So I kind of scramble up the other side and just come walking up to her on this rock. And then she just looks up in this quivering voice, just goes like, you're like an effing goat. <laughs> 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 and I kind of just talk her up, you know, get her knees underneath her a little bit, and she just walks up the rest of the rock, no problem. Very good. Now, I wonder if she was referring to a mountain goat or if she was referring to the acronym GOAT. The acronym did not exist back then. Okay. This was like, oh, something. Before people spoke in acronyms all the time. Got <laughs> so, yeah, it was more the, the animal goat. I would have referred to myself as the acronym GOAT ever. <laughs> <laughs> So when I first meet people on trail and I say I have a tattoo, they assume it's because of these things right here, the whole tattoo thing. I let people believe that now because explaining the story I'm about to tell you has become exhausted, exhausting over the last two years. It originally came from my favorite movie of all time, which is Jeremiah Johnson, starring Robert Redford. Um, he plays a mountain man after the Civil War, and you've seen the movie, correct? Absolutely. So, so, there's a, so he's fighting off Native Americans the whole movie. He's a fur trapper, right? So he's sitting around the fire one night with his uh, mountain man buddy, and a Native American comes out of the woods and tries to kill him. Well, he kills the Native American, and then his buddy is like, well, maybe you got, should get out of these mountains and go down to a town somewhere where it's safe. And he looks at him, and he says, I've been to a town. So I stole that from my YouTube channel, hence the trail name. I've been to a town. I be tat. Very Didn't care good. for it much. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Generally, I just tell people that it's because I'm from the town of Jupiter, Florida, uh, which is true. I am from there, but it originally comes from a uh, girl I was dating a long time ago whose name was Marissa, and she went by Mars. So I said, if she is Mars, then I will be Jupiter. So that is the actual origin. Um, I always, you know, when you're out on the PCT, the AT, or any other long distance trail, you'll come across people with trail names and you're inevitably going to come across someone with a really silly one or a stupid one or something, you know, spatula or, you know, a bunch of people with the same name over and over and over. How many spiders are there? You know, how many right. flowers, mm -hmm. but, or actually one time I met a guy named Poop Hands and that was right after he shook my hand. He said, Hey, my name's Poop Hands. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I had heard this and I kind of felt that, you know, you either pick a name yourself or you get stuck with something stupid. So I wound up carrying on with Jupiter after folks had tried to name me Strider and Long Strider. And I had met another 10 other Striders and I'm like, nah, I don't really like that. Someone tried to name me Oatmeal and it's like, no, it doesn't really fit. So <laughs> I picked a name for myself, which I guess goes against uh, convention in the whole trail naming process. It but, does. It does. But I, I can understand a preemptive strike. You don't want to get stuck with poop hands or spatula. I don't know. I mean, uh, the dude said he was actually quoted in some newspaper as poop hands <laughs> <laughs> about hiking the Appalachian Trail. And I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool, you know, and it sure made me laugh. But 
I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm looking for longevity, a yeah. trail name I can be happy with year after year after year. <laughs> There's a much earlier story on in the progression of those miles about 29,700 miles ago when uh, I was on my first through hike on the Pacific Crest Trail in 2011. We were, I was with, hiking with a group doing a traditional PCT hike and we left Wrightwood. California and we should have packed out trail food it's kind of one of the things you do your first night back on trail but we didn't and so we were sitting at Grassy Hollow Visitor Center one mile from Inspiration Point and just talking like man we should have packed out a pizza it's like 5 p.m and I just said well I can go back to the trail or back to the road hitch into town get us a pizza and be back here in an hour and a half and they're like there's no way and so that was the challenge and then I walked back to Inspiration Point got a hitchhike down to the pizza place in Wrightwood got a ride back up had two pizzas I even went to the grocery store got some steaks we cooked over the fire um, and they said that that was legendary so from then on I became known as legend (laughs) And you show up with some some hard-fought good grub, and it's legend. I totally understand that. Yeah, and I, I, I guess the other the other part of that story that I learned quickly was without a pack, it was actually a lot harder to hitchhike because I was just standing there like some strange person at the trailhead with with nothing with me. So uh, I learned from then on the pack is a nice tool when you're trying to hitchhike to to places. Show them you're a hiker. <laughs> that's right. I can imagine you were you were 300 miles in. Yeah, about 300 miles, I think. Yep. So a 300 mile looking through hiker without a backpack could be a pretty scary sight on the side of a road. Yeah. Smelling from a mile away. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the way that you referenced the time period. You didn't, you didn't use time. You just used miles, (laughs) 29,700 miles ago. And I think for, for all through hikers, that should be kind of the benchmark to, to show your experience. You don't talk about what you did last year or last month. You say, Hey, you know, 75 miles ago or, or 1700 miles ago. You saw yeah, very, very so cool to refer to it <laughs> in a through hike too. That's so true that you're talking about 500 miles back or one state back, or you're doing something completely different than how many weeks ago. No one knows weeks when every day is the same. <laughs> well, it came about with actually ginger balls and his warrior expedition group. Um, we started on the same day, April 3rd, and I met up with them my third day on the trail. We were both hiking into Mount Laguna, and it was quite the, um, quite the day. It was very uh, much a slog, um, and I met up with them just outside of Mount Laguna, and I met up with three of his people who were behind Ginger Balls, and we were getting a water source and talking and talking about where we we're going to stop. And we all agreed, oh, we're all going to stop in Mount Laguna and get a beer and find a place to stay. So we're hiking and we're stopping for breaks and chit chatting. And I'm in like all these colors and I'm eating a lot of candy. That's one of my main sources on the trail of energy. Um, and you can eat it really guilt free out there. So they tried to name me Rainbow Warrior um, just for the color aspect of it and because I was hiking with a bunch of the Warrior Expeditions this time. Um, but I felt like it didn't really fit. Um, I know that you're not supposed to decline it, but I felt like it doesn't do them any service to call me a warrior if I'm not a veteran. And it felt like 
I didn't fit. So I said one more try and they went with little Skittle and it stuck. Um, I was I'm five, 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 six, and these guys are like six feet and above. So I was little compared to them. <laughs> Last summer, I did manage to go on a backpacking trip with my sister. And while I was on that trip, she gave me the trail name Lion. Um, so I do go by Lion and, uh, um, it, it sort of came about because we were chatting on the trail as you do. And I, I was, uh, trying to be supportive and encouraging. And I, I don't remember, I was saying something like, we're almost there or you can do it. And she just stopped and looked at me and said, you're a lion hiker. And I was, my first thought was, yeah, I'm a lion. I'm majestic and I'm fierce. And then I was like, oh, Wait, no, that's not what she meant. She meant I'm lying to her right now um, about um, how close we were to our destination. Uh, so I, I sort of picked that up and ran with it, though, and became lying. Yeah, okay. Well, the first uh, time I did the AT was in 2018, and I started... March 8th and so I was kind of like in the Nobo bubble like right off the bat so um as soon as I got up to Springer there was an older man up there well there was a bunch of people up there at Springer and I'm like a super unsociable person honestly (laughs) so I saw everyone as soon as I got up there and I just kind of like retreated back into the woods and waited until everyone left and um so an old man that was up there saw me again a few days later and I was doing the same thing. Like I would just avoid everyone and go sit in the sun by myself. So he kind of gave it to me because I'm unsociable and I like laying in the sun like a cat. So <laughs> very good. A solitary predator mountain. Yeah, cat. That's me. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with dick jokes. Cause that's what pretty much most people <laughs> automatically assume. So it was, uh, I think it was day, day five of the Appalachian Trail, and I was camped, I forget where, like right on the North Carolina-Georgia border around, around that, and I was with these two kids from, I think they were from the Netherlands, and uh, we ended up calling them Hans and Franz, they didn't, they didn't like it, I don't think it caught on, but I was eating, I was cooking ramen noodles, man, and I'm just sitting there cooking, and they came over and they were like, oh, like, you Americans, you're always eating, like, the worst food. And, and I was like, dude, like, why are you guys, like, attacking me for eating ramen? And then right when I said that, I took a bite and I just, I, like, choked on it and I just threw up, like, right on the ground, right in front of them. They're like, they're like, look, at you can't even eat these things. They're not even edible, you know? So, yeah, Nasty Noodle just kind of caught on right there. So... Good way to start off the podcast, I guess. Absolutely. It's definitely not something I talked about a lot in the film, but um, I, got a, I got a butt tattoo, says Rad. So does Bo, actually. I feel like I got to throw him in on this. <laughs> but we got it in college together. And we, there was a, a water wait, 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 hang on, hang on. We got to back up a little. Got to unpack this real quick. Matching butt tattoos. Is, is that, am, I, am I hearing that correctly? That, that's correct. Yeah. I, I will say it's not just us two. It's, it's a group of people. Okay. So, but yes, <laughs> uh, that's something that we share. There's a spur okay. of the moment. 
very spur of the moment, stick and poke in the basement type of deal. Yeah. But I'm actually included on that as well. I don't have a rad, but I have the second law of thermodynamics tattooed on my butt by stick and poke in the basement. So it's kind of characterizes us and uh, gives you a little bit of background as to who we are. I hope. Ike, the second law of thermodynamics. For yeah. some reason, for some reason, my deep dive into your background and my watching of the video at least you know three times, I did not pick up on. I had no idea that that could be a possibility. The way I got it, there's one of our uh, one of the water sources in the desert section is a place called Deep Creek Hot Springs, and it's kind of a it's kind of a nudist place. Everyone likes to get naked while they're there, and. I was not really in the, the mood to get naked when I got there, but there was a lot of peer pressure from those around me. And Ike was saying, well, he just doesn't want to show off his rad tat. And so started getting called rad after that. And it just kind of stuck. <laughs> so um, my, the trail name I've always gone by is rocket man. Um, but uh, I've been actually given three trail names. Uh, the first one uh, was from a, a guy I met when I really got back, back into hiking um, as an adult recreationally. Um, uh, he was a, a retired lieutenant colonel uh, who, who was section hiking the Appalachian Trail. And um, at the time, I had a problem of, of carrying too much stuff. And I had with me a, a just an enormous big um, hunting knife, uh, you know, something you really don't need. And uh, at one point... Uh, he just kind of was like, you know, I think I'm going to call you pig sticker. And I, I thought it was pretty funny, but I was like, I don't, I don't think I want to go with that as a trail name. Um, so uh, we kind of hiked, I was trying to do Massachusetts. Uh, again, I had too much stuff and kind of halfway through, I, I was like, I don't think I can do this, uh, finish the whole thing. Um, but uh, he called me up a few years later and was like, Hey, we're, I'm doing the presidentials. Um, you want to join? And I was like, yeah. It's actually really been, a, I, I hadn't done uh, uh, Mount Washington since I was like a 12 year old camper. Um, and, uh, but at this point I'd, I'd learned a little bit more. Uh, I'd lost a bunch of weight. And so I was actually in great shape this time, like phenomenal shape. So, um, uh, you know, met him at the, at the uh, train station in Boston. We took a bus up uh, to uh, Pinkham Notch, got a ride down to, I don't even know what the highway is, but, you know, started something like Jackson. And um, second night we stay at Lakes of the Clouds. And, um, you know, we have our breakfast and everybody kind of packs up and goes. And we're just, we hang out uh, outside the hut, the shelter, or it's a hut. Um, and wait, just watch everybody go. We're the last ones to leave. But I, like I said, I was in great shape. And I got from like Lakes of the Clouds up to the summit of Washington, like 40 minutes. This is, it was like ridiculous. Was feeling really good. And he gets up there, I don't know, maybe an hour later. And uh, I'm sitting there waiting for him. And he's like, I'm calling you Rocket Man. So that's where I got Rocket Man from, was that, that trip right there. Um, and Herb was great. I learned so much. He was a really a light hiker. Uh, you know, I mean, I think his, his pack weighed a pound, like all together, he was at like 15 pounds. Uh, and me, that first time I met him, I would think I was probably pushing 60 pounds. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, everybody starts there, but, um, so my third trail name, uh, I got down in Georgia, uh, and I got it from a guy named hype. He just gotten married. He was there with his wife. Uh, they went by hype and wife and, um, they were they were all about, you know, getting pregnant. Um, being a daddy was 
always like something he was talking about. And, um, you know, it's a good thing I, I, uh, I had the earplugs when I was there, uh, <laughs> whenever you shared a shelter with them, because uh, she actually got pregnant uh, not long after this, this happened. But um, uh, so one night, you know, early on, everybody wants to make a fire and various uh, tasks were assigned. And uh, I got the task of, of helping Hype uh, get the fire going. Uh, and a couple of other guys had assigned themselves getting wood and, you know, wood is coming and, um, hype was kind of taking the lead and I'm watching him really do it. And I'm realizing pretty quickly, he doesn't actually know how to get a fire started, but I, I let him kind of, you know, uh, try it and fail. And I was like, you, do you want me, do you want me to do it? Uh, fire starting was a, something I learned on the trail. You know, I, it's a, it's an acquired skill. Uh, and I, uh, I learned it from somebody else. So. I was kind of able to get it started pretty quickly, and I, I tended it the rest of the night. And everybody else, you know, was uh, you know, sitting around the fire having a good time. And um, at one point, you know, being a parent is all all he ever talks about, and he started calling me Fire Daddy. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, how the thing was that everybody was there and they liked it, and it just kind of stuck with all of these kids. Um, even though I tell people, you know, I'm uh, I'm Rocket Man. Um, I'd get into a shelter sometimes and sometimes all these kids would be there. They'd be like, fire daddy. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so other people were like, why, why do they call you that? I thought, I think you were a rock man. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'd tell them the story. I'm like, well, why don't you go by that? And I was like, well, it's not that I don't like the idea of, of a new trail name. It's just a, a little weird having all these, uh, basically what to me were, you know, 20 year old kids called me daddy. So I was like. I decided not to really stick with it, even though one of the kind of fun parts is, you know, being, having this story that goes along with when you got it, you know, you got anonymity that goes along with having a trail name and being, you know, whoever kind of you want to be in this experience. But, you know, this, this, uh, who gave it to you and why is kind of this, uh, story we get to tell that helps us, you know, remember the, the first time we were out there and it's a, it's a lot of fun and, it's part of the thing that's all about. You get to tell the story. It's really great. Uh, so thanks for letting me tell it. Well, I take a lot of pictures. Um, I love taking photos of lots of the, uh, the mundane parts of hiking. And I collect a lot of little trinkets, odds and ends. I have bottle caps, little rocks, um, Lots of pins. So just I collect little miscellaneous things along the way. So, you know, like a scrapbook. I got photos and little memories to, to go along with it. <laughs> I guess scrapbook is better than pack rat. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> I like this name scrapbook. I haven't run into anybody else with that name yet. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And in, in terms of our, our conversations online, I've taken to calling you uh, scrap, scrappy, you know, scrapbook, whatever, whatever oh, yeah. works, right? Yeah. It, it's a long name. So I, I'm used <laughs> to getting shortened down. It doesn't bother me any. <laughs> Skids and I stayed behind because Skids wasn't doing too well. And he earned his nickname on the side of that mountain because uh, he was a bit in, in gastric distress and had to, pull up next to the, the only tree uh, within 20 feet of the trail and, and was kind of crouching behind that doing his business when other other tr other hikers came were coming up the trail and there was nowhere to hide, nowhere to 
So he had to kind of interrupt it in in the middle and and uh, come on up, pretend like everything was normal, all, all while he was he was dying inside. So uh, the untold yeah. story uh, up to this point was the fact uh, that that Buddy, being the hero, came all the way back down the trail, put on that fifty plus pound pack, and carried that pack back up to Sanger Creek. So he made the trip up and down to Sanger twice. Uh, which allowed skids to go, you know, unpacked up there to finally get his his bearings. Yeah, and, and definitely one thing I remember about that was we were all just, you know, sitting by this beautiful creek. There were just dragonflies. I, I just, in my mind, remember dragonflies. I was sitting on a rock in the middle of the creek with, like, my shoes off. And then suddenly we look, and Buddy is coming back loaded up. And, like, we're looking around like, what? what the hell happened? Like, like, <laughs> did he die? Did Skids like, die? What's going on? And then I, fi- I figured that Doc was going to be carrying Skids over his shoulder like <laughs> uh, firemen carry, but I was disappointed. Yeah, I lost the game of rock, paper, scissors, and I had to carry <laughs> Skids over my shoulder in addition to my back. Yes, um, I earned my trail name on my first through-hike attempt. Um, my trail name is Sling, and what that, the story behind that is that I... Um, was really pushing miles really hard, um, ended up pushing harder than I should have, which a lot of new hikers do when you're beginning to through hike. And also I was from Washington state at the time. So I was really worried about the desert and the sun. So I was carrying an umbrella and I had the umbrella actually zip tied to my backpack because I wanted it to be hands-free. And I ended up having this weird shoulder pain, um, cause I was putting like 20 miles a day and I ended up being super hunched over cause my shoulder hurt so bad that I couldn't carry my backpack three days after it started and had to carry it like a purse. And then I couldn't even carry that. So I took my tent footprint and wrapped my shoulder and arm around myself as a sling with my tent footprint. So therefore I did that for another two days, I think all wrapped up with my, my backpack on my shoulder and then my other arm wrapped up. So eventually I had to end up going home and wasn't able to finish the PCT, but that's where sling came from and it's stuck ever since. Oh yeah, I picked up a trail name my first day on the PCT, which was Snake Eyes, uh, because I would consistently just walk past gigantic rattlesnakes without seeing them. Like it took me, it took me longer than I'm willing to say for me to actually acknowledge there was any danger next to me. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That might be a good thing, you know, just not having to deal with the fear of that. Uh. I mean, it's cool till they start rattling and then they, you realize they're a foot away from you. Uh, but yeah, ignorance is bliss, I guess. <laughs> yeah, t- tank, tank stuck, tank. you know. Because the first one they gave me was kind of silly because it was Emmett, which was their dog. And it was based on a joke that I had made about their dog that he only had two speeds, which were sleep and go. And I think really only like the first or the maybe one, maybe two nights in, I, I slept a lot and I went. And part of that was because I went, literally the day before, I went to my friend's wedding, one of my best friend's wedding, and then drove straight from that wedding at like 11, you know, out to up to the trailhead. So I had like no sleep the night before uh, we departed. So I was like a little underrested. So <laughs> and then the first couple nights, you know, I was catching up on my sleep. But then after that, I think it was kind of normal. And you had to know their dog. So it didn't work. So so Tank has stuck. And I actually had a nice experience um, uh, six weeks ago. I hiked with a hiker. I don't know if you guys know uh, who Airborne is. 
uh, he had yo-yoed the PCT, but we met up up in uh, Southern uh, Oregon in the Bend area and hiked together. And he, his dog, it was his dog's birthday and his dog named Frank, his nickname is also Tank. So we had a, a hike with, with uh, two tanks together. So we're built roughly the same. Obviously I'm taller as a human, and, but he's also quite a stout dog. So that was kind of fun. But yeah, Tank is the nickname and that, that's the one that stuck. <laughs> Did that get confusing in conversation on that hike? Not really, because I, I think um, I think it was pretty much tank most of the way, you know. Um, most of you know, I mean, I think like most of the nicknames, we kind of had the one. Once we landed on one, we stuck with it, you know. So we mentioned a few of the ones. I think those were more like ideas of what the trail name might have been. But you got to fill out an hour and a half of the movie, right? So some of the things, right. some of the ideas that didn't land and were never really used made it just to kind of. I was actually, you know, being comedic and referring to your hike with Airborne. If, you know, having two tanks on the trail, if that got confusing, if, if you or the dog, you know, inadvertently answered for the other one, you know, in conversation. So. Well, well, as your YouTube viewers know that I'll tell you what, that dog is way better looking than I am. So <laughs> I don't think it was a very hard, it was very hard to, to make the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had uh pace and pace and Jason and Sasquatch yeah. as, as yeah. alternates. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I am very Sasquatchy. I think that one might've worked, but I also feel like that's such a cliche, kind of a cliched, right? Like how many sauce, any big dude, hairy dude is going to be kind of look like a Sasquatch, you know? So I am, so I even just, I am actually a third Sasquatch, two thirds Irish and then a third Sasquatch. So, <laughs> you know, it also, you know, could have been kind of construed as like a racial slur. So I think, you know, it's better that we stuck with tank and not, you know, not Sasquatch. Well, so on uh, your, your mom's uh, uncle side? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, on our trips, we had a Sasquatch. We just went with Big E because it was easier to say. The Sasquatch was just too hard to. Yeah. Same thing. Big guy, big beard. Yeah. It's no. just a natural. Yeah. But it does. Really, I've always wondered. Isn't Bigfoot kind of sound like a racial slur by today's sort of PC standards? Because it's like a physical just right. It'd be like exactly. Sasquatch is the proper term, and if you say Bigfoot, it's kind of racist. I don't know. I don't know. It's, Maybe it's, it's footism. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just just trying to get canceled already. Yeah, Here we yeah, go. Don't right. don't be don't be a footist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my trail name is Tesla, right? So, why Tesla? If you want, I can I can explain. Uh, you know, tell a little short story about it. Absolutely, we want to hear the background on that. Yeah, so I was I was hiking on the Pacific Crest Trail and. You know, everybody was like, oh, which will be the, my trail name. So that was my concern also, like, what, it, what will be my trail name? So in the beginning, I had some ex- experiences with the blisters. So I was like telling people, people how to, to pop the blisters, you know. So at, at one point, blister master just popped up <laughs> and I was like, whoa. I don't want to be blister monster, you know? And yeah, we were like, that's, that's an unfortunate name. Yeah. Blister monster. <laughs> <laughs> so we were hiking on and at some point I was at uh, Casa de Luna. That's uh, uh, somewhere, uh, this great, great trail angel place on the PCT, uh, which was uh, run by Terry Anderson. And, you know, the guys were, playing cards and everybody was drinking beer or soda and it was a great great place to hang out so i just i just uh you know come in there came in there and the uh, people were like asking me where are you from what's your name you know everybody was super polite and i said i'm, I'm nicola from croatia and this guy alex 
he was like, oh, Nikola from Croatia. You know what? I don't care what anybody else says, but from now on, you're Tesla for me. Because Nikola Tesla, famous uh, philo- uh, physicist, mm-hmm. was from Croatia. He, he was born uh, in Croatia. So Nikola Tesla, like, it's not... Uh, it's not trail name because of a car. <laughs> it's because of a famous <laughs> physicist. But when I was hiking, uh, you know, I was just fist bumping, you know, fellow hikers. And, you know, I, I was like, I'm Tesla, you know, and everybody was like, oh, like a car. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like a physicist. <laughs> so that was like once and the third time and then 100th time somebody said, oh, like a car. And I was like sick of it. And I was like, yeah, like a car. Mm, uh, it's not that exciting, to be honest. Uh, I'd turned down a couple names already. Ones that have, were very, very generic, like Spoon or, or it was something like Spoons or um, Boy Scout. Uh, and I think I was almost getting into... Idlewild and still didn't have a trail name. Um, I mentioned that to a hiker I passed by. Um, then I kept going. Um, he saw the way I was walking, saw the way I was using my trekking poles and uh, later caught up to me and said, Hey, I've got a trail name for you. Um, you use your hiking poles really weirdly. Um, you kind of just tip tap them on the ground. You should be called tip tap. And, uh, yeah, I thought the name was better than all the other ones, so I took it. Well, that was a lot of fun. Remember to check out the pod on our website on WordPress, and we are on a number of social media platforms as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in, and always remember, the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if your leg is stuck between two logs and you're contemplating the worst case scenarios. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.